1: This episode of Blue Shirt Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash Breakaway today to support the show. So give us five, Greg, or I a beer, a coffee. You get access to our ad-free episodes, BSBOTs, Discord, and more. On today's show, we have Puckpedia. Heart from Puckpedia. I call him Puck at the end of the interview. super embarrassing. And uh, we talk about Patrick Kane. If the Rangers can still do it. Spoiler alert, they can. And uh, also, Greg and I review the weekend games. Very late night games. And also the game versus the Jets. So... Much to talk about, much to cover. Let's get to the show. Here is Mark Messier.
2: Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast.
1: God, I forgot how to do the open. Oh my God! Hey, Bushel Breakers, welcome to the week of the Bushwhackers breaking. I am your host Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host Greg Kaplan. Greg, how are you?
2: Oh boy, you're you're struggling more than I am.
1: I know. What am I, Igor? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um,
2: interesting. Interesting. No, interesting. no,
1: no. I'm very pro Igor. I'm just I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised Why? by some
2: things. I. But- I hate this. You, oh, Greg. That let me let me give everybody. Let, let me pull back the curtain here, Right, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Seconds before we start podcasting, I know. I did. I'm not going to be overly negative when we start here. We're going to talk about the fun the stuff of the weekend. The joke was Tyler just right Mott. there. The yeah, joke well, right you're there. a joke, Ryan, and there you are.
1: Fair. Um, <laughs> voice voicemails from my dad.
2: <laughs> no, that doesn't. You want not get one?
1: True. True. Uh, hypothetical voicemails
2: version. from John Franco, though.
1: Wow, Jesus. No, he didn't respond either. Hypothetical voicemails from my dad is a really bad emo band from 2002, <laughs>
2: I think. <laughs> I think that was the name of a Panic! at the Disco album. Had to be.
1: Rest in peace, by the way. Uh, are they finally, not a band anymore? They finally broke up. You what? Know?
2: That what was did this it. happen? It's over. It's over. Oh, my God. I, shit, forget like what the Rangers did.
1: Like the Rangers winning unbeaten streak, it is over. Okay, hey, let's go yeah, Jesus Christ. It, it's let's. they fucking dominated this game. Let's talk about the, the whole weekend because, uh, boy. All right. So, Oilers game comes on on Friday night. Sure. Uh, Oilers score like four goals. Oh, scored pretty much immediately. Pretty much immediately. Like, the game just starts. I, what was it? Like, they scored three goals in 43 seconds or something like that. Something ridiculous. Um, Chris Kreider scores a goal uh, to get kind of get them back in, and, and as soon as that goal went in, Greg and I'm sure you kind of felt the same way. Didn't you feel like they were winning that game? It was Which just one? like
2: on uh, uh, on Friday. Yeah, Friday. It was like
1: Kreider scores; they're down four one. I was like, I think they're going to win.
2: <laughs> it was like one of the first things I thought. Um, no, I, I, I'll be honest. I'm usually the more pessimistic yeah. of the two of us. Anyway, I I thought they were going to win on Saturday. I did not. Th- not think anything positive about um, Friday. I I thought Friday just kind of felt like a stinker. Igor got off to a slow start, found his groove as the game went along for sure. Um, I was just ready to chalk it up as like, man, there are going to be a lot of games like Friday and like tonight because the Rangers are, for whatever reason, are going to play a shitload of hockey between now and the playoffs. It's almost like, the schedule is unbalanced and someone We've never with talked about that, any have we? kind of fifth grade education could have done this better. But that's neither here nor there. Um yeah, I don't know. I Friday I did not feel confident. I, I, a lot of it was um Connor McDavid related. I just figured I think once that's you, fair analysis. Yeah, once you start once once Edmonton starts scoring, it's hard to get them to stop. So the fact that the Rangers got them to stop and then won in overtime even after taking a penalty in overtime, I tip my cap like that. That is, that is. You think about a game on Friday, which no one's going to think about anymore because the Rangers played a game on Monday, and we're not capable of going back. In we time. can't. We can't think about can, one of the you, greatest you comebacks in eight years for the Rangers. can No. But and it's again. I don't know how many times we have to say in this podcast. Like the the definition of great teams to me is not games the Rangers dominate. It's games where they play like crap and they get results. That to me is a sign always that was of a the great weekend. team. That and was, that the was weekend. a weekend. yeah. The Rangers yeah. Uh, I mean fair fair being fair, Yarrow Halak did not play like crap on Saturday. No, he played quite good. He's been incredible recently. But yeah, I Igor Shusterkin is in a, is in a, a, a lull, a rough patch, a slump. Whatever you want to like, cop call it's it, funny. it's fine. When but they're getting a... Ryan, they're getting no. results. That I just wanted is like i First regulation loss since January 19th. That's 31 days ago.
1: I, this is why it was so fucking baffling to me. It was like, I see some people like Slater and Igor. I'm like, what? He has nine losses in regulation on the season. His, By the way, that's, he has the third most wins
2: in the league. <laughs> yeah, <and laughs> what are we it's doing? Not even It's not even us coming on here and being like, oh, um, Igor's playing great. You're wrong. No, he's, he's in a slump. But even then, like... Slumping Igor or not, the Rangers weren't winning the night. Connor Hellebuck is a oh, top no. three goalie in the National Hockey League for a reason. And quite frankly, this was a carbon copy of that game back in October when it didn't matter what Yarrow Halak did in the crease because Connor Hellebuck wasn't going to let anything in. Like He was sometimes, unbelievable. Yeah, and it's the thing is crazy. It's just like we saw Igor do this almost every night last year against other teams. And when it happens to you, everyone's just like, well, Igor wasn't good enough. They scored one fucking goal. Like, how good did you want Igor to be? They were. They took forty-eight shots, and these aren't low-calorie hurricane shots either. These were shots from all kinds of high-danger locations. And Helle, Hellebuck won the fucking game. Like to me, there are not every loss is the same. Not every win is the same. I get that. This is one of the easiest losses I've ever watched the Rangers uh, in my experience. Life. In yeah, my, in I life. have I have like no bad notes. There are some things that I would like cleaned up, but yeah, some like, of it is just the breaks that you have to deal with. In some hockey. of it's like,
1: uh, like Manning, uh, people in front of the net. Truba had a couple misplays. Kondra Miller had a couple misplays. There were just some missed defensive assignments. There are goals that Igor could have usually stopped. Two of them I don't think he could have. I think they were pucklock.
2: No, and I I think one of them, like the second goal, to me is just straight up fluke. Like Igor just doesn't see where the puck is. It's bouncing around, and there's a open jet sky on the back door. Like, what are you gonna do?
1: Yeah, and one of them's just a pure snipe. Like,
2: but you you are in the NHL. All that to say, it didn't fucking matter. Connor Hellebuck no. was the best player in hockey tonight. H-
1: highest shots of the Rangers' season, fifty plus shots on Connor Hellebuck, and it mm-hmm. didn't fucking
2: matter. It did yeah, not matter what they did. Played out of his mind. You, tip, if if you can't tip a cap and respect that performance from Connor Hellebuck. Hockey ain't for you. Sports ain't for, for you. It's not for you. I promise. Sometimes
1: I and you knew they were due for one of these, right? It's like okay, the Rangers due for one of these. Like, winning. what do you mean due for one of these? They
2: played great. Like, You're I don't right. you right. There's not. There's nothing due. It's just bad luck. Like they yeah. played out of their mind. Like due there for was, uh, Right, due for one of these would imply the Rangers played poorly. They were much the better team for the entirety of the night.
1: There was, I think it was like every other time they were in the uh, Winnipeg side, there was like a three-on-two or like a two-on-one, and Hellebuck figured out a way to, like, figured it out. I don't know what else to say. Everything was super dangerous the entire night. Everything. And they just couldn't finish. And by not finishing, I mean Connor Hellebuck stopped him. Period. End of story. Just,
2: he is, going into this game, he... I would have put your goalies. I am most afraid of facing. It would have been Sorokin. It would have been Hellebuck and it would have been Vasilevsky. Not in that order, but that's definitely the top three in my head. And anytime you face Connor Hellebuck, you just have to accept the possibility that on any given night, he is well within reason to be the best player on the ice. And he fucking incredible. Like I, I, I tip my cap. I, I, I saw a couple of people say this on the Twitters. If the Rangers play like this every game, the rest of the year going to do a whole lot of winning. Like not every goalie is going to be Connor Hellebuck. Most goalies are going to be Jack Campbell. And it's just, I don't know. Shit happens, man. Like, yeah, I, there are things I would like to see the Rangers do better. I, I am, I will happily say Igor Shostakovich doesn't look like the guy I'm used to seeing all while acknowledging that he's still Igor fucking, Shisterkin, this is, this and is he's kind going to point. come out of this. Yeah. Like
1: I, I, I always think back to, or I didn't always think back to, but I was rather when I was watching this game, when you and I have talked about Mika Sabinejad in the past, where, when he was like in these goal scoring slumps. And one of the things that sticks out to me that you said was, you know what Mika needs to do to, st- fix this goal scoring slump and the answer was shoot the fucking puck and as much as possible Mm -hmm. keep shooting until it comes back and by the way it has for me because a lot of the times igor just needs to play games back like whatever he can do as many games as possible and he's going to get a lot of games it's not that Halak shouldn't play these games he's playing out of his mind right now he's having an awesome season but you need igor in the playoffs to be the guy that you want him to be he's not that guy right now but he will be again and I'm, i'm not i'm not worried i'm so confused as to why people are
2: yeah, and it's towing a it's towing a really tight line too when it comes to you need to play Igor more to get him ready for the playoffs, but you need him fresh for the playoffs, so you need to ride Halak, especially when Halak is playing as well as he is right now. I I do think people also forget, like Yes, would I love home ice for potential game sevens against either the Devils or the Hurricanes? Absolutely. But it is not the most important thing that I am worried about. The New York Rangers are in the playoffs. So I am focused on trying they to just the get Islanders players right yep. between now and then. So, yeah, like Igor's going to play on Thursday. Igor is going to play on either Saturday or Sunday. My guess ah, it probably Saturday.
1: Probably and, Saturday. And then
2: you're probably going to, I mean this schedule is just stupid. Like Again, the Rangers have two days off now. Then they play Thursday. Then they have a back to back over the weekend, and then they have two days off. And then they have a back to back to start March, and then they play Boston on Saturday. And then they don't have another game between Saturday and Thursday because the schedule makers again are fucking idiots. And I don't know <laughs> how many good. times we have no to sense. say it. But it makes like, no
0: sense.
2: yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's I, I think some fans are responding to Igor's struggles because one, it's the first time we've really seen them. Period. Uh, period. period. And then, two, it's just like, I don't know. I don't think people, some people, not all people, some people, um, not all people. They can't, they That's can't. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I <laughs> felt 45 there for a second. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I get just, it. Just, I. Act like you've been there before. We, we, I I don't know how you else to watch word it. Sports.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this this cannot be your time. We're we'll following a first time following a sports team. There
2: there have th- been times Aaron Judge doesn't hit home runs. There are times my favorite horses don't win a race. We, there uh, are times shit. Once upon a time there was this pitcher. I don't know if you've heard of him, Jacob Jacob Degrom. DeGrom. <laughs> Every now and then he's given up runs, and I understand how. Weird, it feels, every time he did that, before he took his bag and went somewhere else, like, the bitch that he is. Um, but, like, just like something Christ. special, Greg.
1: But, yeah, and, and, and on top of that, by the way, some of the Cohen messages today were fucking awesome. I fucking uh, love that guy. He's he's, great. he's such a fraudster, but, wow, great owner. Fuck you, all right? Hold uh, on. Great owner, he's a great owner. Sir,
2: yeah, shut up.
1: He is, he's a great owner. Anyway. Better than, better than John Henry.
2: Anyway. Uh, <laughs> they weren't they were booing, they were saying... Boer, Boer, yeah. yeah uh, did you see the Orioles owners' comments today? Oh my god,
1: disgusting!
2: Amazing, Deep, disgusting. The, his third concern is the baseball team that he owns. His first concern are the concerts he's bringing to the ballpark. Ah! I love sports. Sports are sell, great.
1: Sell the team, but my but I,
2: I that... can't believe I'm about to say this, but thank God we're James Dolan kids, right? Like I, it could a, be so much. I less. can't believe
1: I'm saying this you right now, and I know James, I know you're listening to this, or Jimmy, sorry, I I know you're listening to this. It, thank you.
2: <laughs> Thank you for all oh you do because, Thank you for uh, not being an Angelos. Like holy yeah,
1: because boy, do you want to spend? Do you want the Rangers to win? That's fucking awesome. Great. Uh, back to the point you were making though. Like all this, there's players that we've talked about earlier this year. Jacob Truba who you know, not not a star on the team, but is the captain and a stalwart. We defended him when he's playing poorly. Like he's just he's going through it. He and he's had he's gotten a lot better since. I think you and I can both agree on that. It's just like okay,
2: what are we doing? It's a it's a normal slump. It's totally fine. Slumps happen, man. I, he's not going to turn into Ben Simmons overnight. Like, yeah, I, I have. I'm. Boy, the Ben eager. Simmons story is crazy. My God, he. Yeah. he uh, Bill Simmons is of the opinion he just hates playing basketball. Got to tell you, it checks out. Not I, a bad take. I, I I think it might be right. Not a yeah, bad take. Go
1: go back and watch 2018, Ben Simmons. It's like another universe. It's yeah, like, it's, what is happening here?
2: It's just true that like it's the first one you're witnessing. So your body doesn't know how to necessarily respond to it, but he's not cooked. Like, I, I don't know what else to say. Like, what, do you, what do, you, do you want me to come on here and be like, Oh, Igor works. has gotta be better. And he's going to be, I, yeah, well, that's my think, only
1: response.
2: You, first of all,
1: goalies are psychopaths.
2: Second yeah. of all, you don't saw, think Igor's... did you see that he refused to talk to the media tonight, by the way. He did. Yeah. Here's my thing. Um, what do you want him to say? He's probably, he'd probably get up there and be like, I'm fucking pissed at myself. That I got outplayed by Connor Hellebuck, and uh, cool, like, great, thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah,
1: I uh, to be honest, like, he's probably was gonna say what he said before. Goalie was shit tonight. Yeah, Uh, I'm sure he knows. He's probably pissed off, and he wants to be better. He'll probably make adjustments. And by the way, these these are things that uh, that can happen and change a season. We saw the Jacob Trouba helmet throw. Something like this maybe needs to happen to Mm -hmm. Evra Sturkin for him to get back to right where he needs to be. Not worried about it. Not worried about it.
2: What, like, uh, on, on the on the list of things i am worried about oh, i put Igor ego so not low. being able to come out of this slump probably behind nuclear apocalypse <laughs> yeah it's fine it is
1: behind uh it is 15 minutes into the show we've yet to mention this the rangers have traded for tyler mott
2: hey i think hey. we do have to pour one out for julian goche before we talk tyler mott we do one-handed with the beer
1: Left hand or right hand to the stick.
2: I I saw tonight in his first game that I there know. was a Senators account that was like, "Wow, look at Gauthier <laughs> driving hard to the Love net, how he goes just to getting the net. stopped." It's like, no, driving <laughs> hard to the net, he's always been good at. Uh, but it's everything uh, else. Listen, he provided us a lot of jokes, brick shit house, eight yeah. percent downloaded hockey player. Didn't a- get taken by C.L. Kraken. Yeah, truly, I, like Goche is one of the guys that I'm legitimately going to miss because he was. Fun and noticeable, like he's probably not the type of player if you're trying to make a deep Stanley Cup run that you want to be relying on at all. And like, we're going to talk Tyler Mott a lot, obviously. Thinking about the prototype that is Tyler Mott to Julian Gauthier, it's like when you're playing for that position on your hockey team when you're as good as the New York Rangers are, you'd rather have the high floor player than the high ceiling player. So I get it, but I do want to just, Julian Gauthier would have been, he just got here like 18 months too late. You know, if he was here for that first year under Quinn and he really had room to run, maybe his career would be somewhere different. It's just like he showed up a little late and it's, it's, it's a bit of a bummer. Like I feel for him. I'm happy. He's going to go somewhere. He hopefully gets more minutes. I still think he's a, very solid middle six NHLer in the future i hope he starts scoring a shitload and it's fun and it's exciting i tip my cap to the fact that he lived my dream which is choking out a philadelphia professional athlete
1: yeah forever a ranger
2: yeah i i don't know i like i i, I truly honestly wish goche nothing but the best
1: me too I, and he was super fun to watch i think he didn't I never. I don't think he ever got like a super fair shake. Uh, I there are players that played above him. where I thought it was questionable at times. He did do some things really well. I but Maybe. I don't know if he'll ever put it fully together. I think uh, but
2: if he has a better shot at figuring it out in Ottawa than he does in New York.
1: That's that's the other thing is he requested to be traded for like two straight years. Yep. So yep. Uh, and
2: forget, the Rangers put him on waivers to start this year. People could have had him for free.
1: They could have and they didn't. And he got traded for Tyler Mott, which yep. we said uh the day Tyler Mott left the Rangers we said he'd be back for a fourth and we were wrong it's it was conditionally two six if they make it past the first round which they will uh they which they will and a seventh rounder and Julian Gauthier cool (laughs) uh, awesome very happy to have Tyler Mott back
2: well I I already saw people being like well I hope we just recited this time I'm like no I'll trade two more six for him next year too like I'll just keep laundering Tyler Mott out and bringing him back for these like final 30 games I only need 30 games of Tyler Mott. I don't need the full 82. So I am cool letting Tyler go get his bag, his 1.25 million from the San Jose Sharks or some shit in the summer. And then I'll just bring him back for my two future picks that are going to turn out to be uh Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Like I'm, I'm cool doing this forever. This is great. I someone uh, Connor Watson, who's a f- listener of the show slid into my DMS and he's like, Tyler Mott, the nhl's kelly johnson question mark and i was like yes exactly <laughs> every winning team thinks they need kelly johnson off the bench and that's what tyler Mott is. it's it's a great move he's he's a gallant guy which i appreciate the rangers bringing in gallant guys that also happen to be quite good at what they do he's going to kill some penalties he'll provide a spark in the bottom six and i i think the thing you and i keep going back to is we're not huge fans of when the line blending happens we'd rather it didn't but drury is now putting talented hockey players on this roster where if a line blender happens i'm okay if tyler mott is all of a sudden getting a few more minutes or jimmy vc or even and sometimes barclay goodrow like i'd rather those guys be moving up the lineup than god love them ryan reeves or god love them uh sammy play like this is this is a such better alternative to what could possibly be a bad situation, and it's again, it's just like, where's the hole on this roster now? Except for the fact that they're still playing with the ghost on, on the fourth line, but like, they're almost there, right? They, they, they're almost they're there. One, they're one player away. By the and way, and even and even then, like that one player could just be Johnny Brodzinski, and I'd be fine.
1: I think so It could be Will Cooley. That, that's that's where I am at. It's like mm-hmm. both of them both of them would be fine. And Jay, Phantom Jake Bob by the way had a like an okay game tonight. He was, Did he was he? I I saw him on the ice three times. I thought that was pretty impressive.
2: Good for you, man.
1: I I know. I know. Uh the Igor's not talking to How how much of a storyline is Igor not talking to the media going to be this next 3 days?
2: Uh as much as a storyline as the papers wanted to make it be and got, we love Vince, we love Colin. we love Molly, we love Brooksy. Um Yep. It just could not be less of a story. It what like what great comment are we missing? And it's like, well, he has to be accountable for his play. Motherfucker, the only person he's got to be accountable to are the dudes in the locker room. And I promise you, every single one of those dudes is like, yeah, no, dude, bigger fish to fry tonight. Like, we weren't scoring. I don't know what to tell you.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they also uh, would all vouch for Igor extremely <laughs> Yeah, because they uh, know easily. if
2: they want to win a cup, it's on Igor's back. <laughs> it's,
1: yeah, it's on his back, that's for sure. Um. Yeah, Tyler Mott. Back to him, just real quick. Uh, yep. I love the forechecking. I love the 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 value. I do think they'll try and re-sign him, but that's for the summer. Who cares? And they'll they'll try and get him on the minimum. Who knows? But there, he. I keep thinking of him as like the Jimmy Vc type, where he just plays another level. I saw some Ottawa fans, and I went over and just like checked what they were, they were thinking about Mott for the year. They weren't like too impressed, but I'm thrilled to get the guy back. I think he's a perfect. And I, it's been a while since we said this on the show. 16 game player. Yeah. That's, yeah that's the guy that's the kind of guy i need
2: but again it i'm just thinking of the rangers bottom six um it's as talented as it's ever been as fans of the new york rangers like th- your three worst forwards right now in some combination are tyler mott barclay goodrow and a literal ghost zombie phantom like t- Take away take away Lishizen for a second. Your your tenth and eleventh forward are Jimmy Vc and Tyler Mott right now. That's a great situation to be in as a fan of the New York Rangers. And then again, it just has have the Rangers ever had this many different combinations they could play on a penalty kill where Never. not only not only are they killing the penalty, but you feel like they could potentially create some offense of their own. I know Zabenajet and Kreider usually play together, but Kako's been getting time, Trochek gets time, Mott's gonna get time, VC gets time. I feel confident when Goodrow gets time, there's seven dudes Ryan that could kill a penalty.
1: We didn't even talk about the power play. It's disgusting. It's <laughs> like they were 0 for 4 tonight and it was like some of the most beautiful non-shot power play I've ever watched in my life. There was one, I think it was in the Rangers had 21 shots because I kept watching the shot the shot counter it was like Tarasenko back to Panarin, Fox, beautiful passing, creation. They're in front. They're wide open. The crowd's going crazy. And it was just beautiful to watch, with the exception of they didn't get a shot or a score. It was like, okay. <laughs> but everything else about this looks fucking awesome. And, and the combinations they can run, like, not that Gallant like, will change the power play one, but he can put Heedle up. He can put Tarasenko down. There's, a, there's so much firepower up and down the lineup. I'm, I'm feeling pretty positive. I feel great, to be honest. Exactly. It, I feel awesome. This is
2: probably the best I felt after a Ranger loss all season. And yeah. it's it's great. one it's one part me knowing there was nothing the Rangers could have done differently tonight. Besides, I don't know, straight up murder Connor Hellebuck, no, I, Like Igor, kill him. Yeah,
1: Igor, Igor Woodley had been been a wall back, and that would have been, that was the only way. It was the only way.
2: I don't. I but it's just it's to me it's the realization that like. I've never been, even last year, I, I liked him, but I wasn't thrilled Frank Vitrano was getting as much run as he did. Um, I just, like, I've never felt better about the Rangers' forward lines and depth than I do currently. Because, again, these are just the players that are here, right? Take Lichison out of the equation. If someone gets hurt, we have Will Cooley. We have Johnny Brzezinski. Gustav Rydell is still chilling in the minors as well. I have guys I am comfortable moving up in this lineup to replace a guy who might be coming out of the lineup. This isn't to say the Rangers, no team could survive a Zibanejad or a Kreider or a Panarin or any of the kids getting hurt. But the Rangers have so many interchangeable and solid pieces that they could put into their bottom six at any time. It's everything you would hope a great team would be able to do. And I honestly... Again, like some of it to me is just guys needing to play more together and pl- spend more time together. Like Mikola and Schneider look a little discombobulated right now because, I don't know, one of them has been a Ranger for five games. So yeah. it's, I, I have confidence <laughs> the more time they spend together, the better they're going to look. By the and way, has
1: played like six periods with Panarin.
2: Yeah, quite frankly, this is the best I felt about the Ranger defensive pairing since before Stalin and Girardi disintegrated on us like the hole on this team to me is the least important position on the entire team which is fourth line center like cool it'll be more important if something happens above them but if jake lashison the phantom jake himself is just Galant's boy toy for the rest of this season i gotta tell you i think the rangers will be fine
1: I, they, they're, they're fucking awesome.
2: <laughs> this team is amazing. It's, like,
1: did you watch tonight? Everything was clicking. This was one of the most non-boring 4-1 losses I've ever watched in my life. Yeah, Everything worked, except it didn't go in the back of the net. Everything Shit happens. Works. Shit yeah.
2: happens. I, I got news for you. I don't think the uh the, Auntie Rontas, the Freddie Andersons, the Tech Vanaceks of the world, they're not going to be Connor Hellebuck come the first round of the playoffs. So if the no. Rangers play like that, against teams they're going to play in the first round of the Metropolitan Death Race. I feel pretty good. I feel like they're going to be the better team.
1: I can't believe I'm saying this, but Vitek vanishek is the best one of those goalies. That's where we're at. <laughs> like, that's how insane this is.
2: Yeah, I feel I feel pretty all right. All right, I feel pretty good too.
1: Um, do you want to do some five-star questions or is there a topic we've missed? Obviously, the oh, do you want to talk about Lafreniere? I mean, pretty good weekend for him.
2: Uh, the crazy thing is, I man, I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm sure it, it's just... After effect from everything that happened from February twenty twenty onward, but like Alexi Lafreniere had the greatest weekend of his life, and I almost am just not thinking about it because the New York Rangers lost a hockey yeah, game tonight. We're
1: we're twenty five minutes into a was Breakaway Weekly, and we haven't mentioned Alexi Lafreniere scoring a shootout goal with like total total dragging him, and then getting the Rangers back into overtime
2: twice uh, twice scoring the game tying goal in uh, in the back to back games.
1: Yes, <laughs> we're, and we're like we're not even talking about it. There, there's so I, I think there's been so many storylines over the past couple of weeks that sometimes things that we would talk about for weeks and we'd focus on get buried. And one, this is one of them, which which is why it's worth bringing up. Lafreniere's been that whole line's been much much better. It's man, been so good the last couple uh, last couple of weeks. I and tonight, they, tonight they were close again many many times. Jeez, and makes Lof- you
2: think that once again tonight maybe just a one off.
1: It just happens. And and uh, I'm, I've been really impressed with Lafreniere over the past couple of games. The, the passing that I've always thought he had the ability to have has started to really show at the NHL level. It's it, his, You can see the confidence building with him. And listen, I, can't, I don't know what to tell you. If that's your third line, you are extremely, I get, I get chills even saying it. If the boys' defense line is your third line, you are an extremely dangerous team. And if they keep playing like that, and Alexi Lafreniere keeps elevating his game, because at this point I think we know what Heedle and Kako are. Boy, we are dangerous. It's so fun,
2: right? It's a good fucking hockey team. I, I know. don't know what to say. I, 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 I feel I, like there are times we come on after the Rangers win, and we're like, Jesus Christ, Gerard Gallant, bit of a fucking moron. Don't really know how we're going to do yeah, it. Yeah,
1: last last week I got I got a couple got a couple tweets, which uh, listen, it's not fair to say this. There's a lot of people on Twitter that yell at me. But they're like hey you guys are being negative. Like I don't know. We try to be really positive. This week if you say I'm being negative, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't. <It's laughs> turn off the podcast art for you. It's over. It's over. Podcast art for
2: you. Hawk. Mets baseball might be for you though. Mets baseball you, is for you. Yeah, I, this is this is a like this kind of response to a game is like the Mets with a 10 game lead in division. Everyone's like, "Well, that's it. That's it. They're, gonna, they're this is the start of it. They're just fucked. I know they are." Like Jesus Christ, guys, sometimes you're allowed to be happy. I promise yeah. you.
1: This one's a good, this is a happy one. Let's do some five star questions and we'll get uh, we'll talk about trading for Patrick Kane, another oh, light, hard, lighthearted topic.
2: <laughs> Remember when that doesn't even like I understand we did that literally with Puckpedia like, like three hours ago?
1: Yeah, something like that. That
2: might as well have been four weeks ago. That <laughs> entire interview.
1: I know. It's it's Kane, whatever. Jesus I, that, Christ. It might I just, still happen. I would,
2: so he said what? Spoiler, he says that everything must end by the 26th. Yes. Boy, am I rooting for everything to end by the 26th.
1: <laughs> more more than one away. Uh, this is from David from New York. Since Tarasenko doesn't like the Tank nickname, is that true? I don't
2: fucking know. Have, I haven't asked
1: we, him personally. And we are bored slash sick of E slash er names. Can we go with Vova Fett?
2: What? <laughs> what? No. It, it, no. Does he, it, is he ovulating? Like, I'm confused. I, I'm
1: so. Uh, yeah, I'm so cool. Uh, Why can't we just call him
2: Boy? What's wrong with Vladdy? Vladdy is beautiful.
1: Vladdy's fine. Yeah, Vlad's fine. There, there's some Russian here. Boba oat in acrylic. I, yeah, I can't read Russian. I'm so sorry.
2: This is for blood. You, you How can't many... read Russia. Like oh, the country? Can't...
1: Yeah. Yep. I can't read. Oh, well, I mean, did, it, it, does
2: it make you? Did it make you feel? Have, have you been in our Slack? Uh, our friend Slack channel? I, I have. I
1: have not as much. Okay.
2: What does it make you feel better or worse that Connor had no idea there was an East and West Germany for? 40 years. That's uh, worse. <laughs> way worse. <laughs> <laughs> way
1: worse. Anybody, everybody, uh, by the way, Connor works at TickPick. Um, our, our, our official sponsor, in case anybody was wondering. Oh, yeah, no, um, TickPick's great, but No uh, Connor, fees, by the way, no fees.
2: Nothing fucking upstairs with that poor gentleman. No
1: fees. Uh love the man. No um, fees, this, no brains. It's the same. This, this that's that's, so that's cool. why
2: they have no fees. It's just like we're saving on fees because we don't have brain power.
1: Great idea, Connor. I mean, that's why people are getting such a good deal. This is from glove. <laughs> How many current Rangers are, are on a clear trajectory to have their numbers put in the Raptors? We've talked about this a lot. Fox, Igor, Kreider. If he wins a cup, those are the only three I'd name. Uh, Fox's like number is up there right now. Like if he retires today, he's probably up there. <laughs> um, Igor as well. Kreider. It's probably. Like Kreider gets up, up there.
2: there?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Kreider probably gets up there. I think he gets up there now. That's what he's I mean, it's, so long. It's, with the, Rangers. Dude, the Rangers
2: are strange to me with the retired numbers. Like, I understand. I don't know. It just feels odd that like Vic Hadfield has his number retired.
0: So yeah, like,
2: I don't mean to disparage the goal of game line. And, and those were important Ranger teams and blah, blah, blah. But it's just like Vic Hadfield. So if you're, if we're retiring Vic Hadfield, I think that puts just about anybody who plays 10 plus years on the Rangers in, in shouting distance. So Crider to me is going to be a definite. Uh, Mika Zibanejad is going to be here seven more years. So, <laughs> something has to go wrong. That's insane. Yes. Yeah, something has to that's go insane. wrong for Mika not to get up in the rafters, it feels like, which again, I understand that's kind of crazy to say, because I don't think any of us currently are thinking about Mika Zabanajad as, as like a lifelong, not just a lifelong ranger, but someone that deserves their number in the rafters. Like I think about this from time to time. If things go as they're going right now, like the Mets are gonna retire Brandon Nimmo's number. Because he's that's just gonna sh- be a Met for 15 That's years
1: disgusting
2: right it's just like <laughs> these guys are just here forever so like yeah mika zibanejad is probably going to get his number retired especially if the rangers keep winning because he's going to be an important part of them winning um if the, pa-
1: if this team wins the cup panarin mika Kreider, fox igor are all up there all <sighs> of them.
2: if the if rangers want to okay question for you rangers win the 2012 cup against the kings rick nash's number in the rafters yes Wow, does that yeah? So feel big. It feels big of you to admit that. I know, I know it is big of me. But I Ooh, he's up okay. There. So if Nash is up there, who would? What would have been the line in your eyes? Like, is
1: I think well, Hank's obviously up there already. So then, yeah.
2: Hank uh, would have just been Hank and Nash.
1: I think you could have made. Uh, uh, I think McDonough would have been close, but we well, would no, have, but, I don't
2: if, I, but I think the McDonough conversation. I guess if the Rangers won a cup with McDonough having the the C on his chest, they never trade him. Is that the argument we'd have to make then? That's part of it as well. And the other guy I would think of is Girardi. Before Stahl? I think so. Do they put both Stahl and Girardi up there if they win a cup? With the amount of years the two of them stayed with the Rangers?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think they do. I, I think because we just value the cup so much that I think they get. They get well, those that's guys what just happens about, when you win one of them. I know that. Well, that's you would just value those guys forever. I just yeah. imagine they would go up. Right, Nick Rick Nash is definitely up there. Like that's a hundred percent. Okay, so
2: take away without accounting for cup inflation, I'd mm-hmm. say Kreider, Zibanejad, and then you know the guy who sucks in goal currently. Yeah. Uh probably getting well, his and, number up there too. And again,
1: Fox is like the like if, oh, if yeah, I could Fox's bet on way. Fox's number being on the up there, I bet on it right now.
2: If something tragic happened to Fox tomorrow, his number would probably still go up. I,
1: yeah, he forced his way to the Rangers. He grew up a Ranger fan and he's won a Norris. He's the yeah. best defenseman of the league.
2: Yeah, it's him and Leech. That's it, in terms of best skater the Rangers have ever had. His number's going up.
1: Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, this is from Bradley. Scenario time. These are such summertime questions, by the way. Please, it's a game. It, it's game seven of the Stanley Cup Finals. Great, and the Rangers are leading by multiple goals. What five players from this roster are you putting on the ice for that last shift? Doesn't matter aside from three F and two D.
2: Fox. Can you read the question for me one more time? I'm sorry.
1: Five five players. You're 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 pretty much gonna win the Stanley Cup. You have to have five players on the ice to pretty much celebrate on the ice. All uh, right. Well, true.
2: <laughs> okay. So Truba's out there.
1: Truba Fox is out there.
2: Truba Fox, Zubena Jad, Kreider, Panarin. Panarin.
1: That's it. Yeah, it yeah. feels right. That's those, those are the players.
2: Yeah, it feels right. Yep. Uh, this is from Toaster
1: Daddy. Could VC be a sneaky Strom replacement for Panarin? He you no, know, but he could be a sneaky Jesper Fast replacement for Panarin. That's that's the end of the answer, I guess. Okay. Um, uh, Tron, what players should the Rangers target at the deadline that none of the insiders have mentioned? Patrick Hornquist is one of my mentions. Lars Ellers, uh, Oscar Sunquist, are all depths that would be fairly inexpensive if these teams are if the if their teams are out of the playoffs. Uh,
2: yeah, I think I the mean, Rangers are
1: doing one more depth, but I don't think any of those guys are, or what they're looking at.
2: No, and also like. I don't know. I just again, I, this is one of those this is one of those tough conversations where I realize the utility infielder is an important position, but also I don't give a shit about the utility infielder, and that's how I kind of feel about our fourth center. Like, yes, there are better players than Phantom Jake, and I would very much appreciate it if the Rangers got one of them, but also it, I'm not freaking it, out. if it if it turns out it matters so many other things had to go wrong. And I'd rather just not think that way right now. Like, say they trade for Nick Bonino. The odds like, Nick like Bonino Nick Benino a lot. <laughs> Sure, but the odds Nick Bonino plays a meaningful role for the New York Rangers, more meaningful than the one Tyler Mott played for them last year. Like, who's getting hurt? And I don't want to th- – if someone gets hurt and Nick Bonino has to step up to be the guy, Rangers are squarely fucked anyway. So, I don't know. It, it, it's tough. We're like, yeah. The Rangers need to do better. Yes, I'd rather the Rangers play 12 competent forwards as opposed to 11 and a ghost. But at the same time, I'm not going to worry about who the Rangers decide to be their fourth-line center because on nights like tonight, it's not the most important thing in the world.
1: Uh, this one's a good one. Uh,
2: I'll, well, I'll come back to the other
1: one. This is from Kakko's Beard. Okay, I'm back. Hear me out. Phil Kessel. Given what Magic Drury was about to do with Tarasenko, could Phil the Thrill be possible again? He could go under uh, go under Gallant and just think about the lines. Panera, Mika, Tarasenko, Kreider, Trocek, uh,
2: well, even but What scenario is Vegas trading him?
1: Yeah, zero, I think. Zero scenarios. Yeah, I yeah. think
2: Vegas likes him quite Agreed. a bit.
1: This is from Frankie Marzano. Do you guys think the Gallant will legitimately stand in the way of the Rangers winning a cup this season? no uh, I don't I don't think it'll be him no
2: no I, I again because you we have to give credit to jury for this jury is now essentially building a roster that is almost gallant proof Where like as much as we complain about him juggling the lines he is moving Tarasenko up and Panarin down that's not like he's not putting Colin Blackwell in situations where I would rather have someone else so like a roster is being built where if Gallant loses his fucking mind and breaks up the kids or moves one player up, he only has good players to choose from to move yeah. up in his lineup. So he only got goodness. Yeah, so like, do I, if, I don't see a way Gerard Gallant can prevent a, a roster this talented from winning the cup outside of deciding out of spite that he's just going to play two on five.
1: Uh, this is from Drochek's Drocheck. greatest defender. Do you ever think about how these are the good times? Whatever happens with whatever happens with this team, this group of guys in particular, I already know I'll always say to myself, wow, what a great fucking team that was. I do think about this. Like if you're not savoring, if you're complaining about Barclay Goodrow on an off day, like why, why this is this team is awesome. Like
2: if you're, if you're if you're coming on a podcast whining about how the Rangers might not be able to afford Phil Edel. Like me. <laughs> Like me. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I think I, I I don't know if this is just part of getting older or again, like COVID all fucked us up from everything. Yep, but that's true. Yeah, I I feel like this is the I've only experienced this, I think, one other time in my sports fan life, where as it's happening, I'm able to take take a step back and be like, Jesus Christ, this is so much talent on this on this team that I am rooting for, where I'm going to enjoy this. I, the only year that happened with the Mets was 2006, where at no point was I worried they wouldn't make the playoffs. Everybody that was on the field at any given time, like it was, it's a similar situation where the Mets had older stars, the, the Pedro Martinez. Yep. Uh, they had Carlos Beltran in the prime of his career. Then they had their own homegrown rising stars in Wright and Reyes. And it was like, I was able to take a step back and be like, holy shit, I am not going to get this. A lot in my life, so I'm going to appreciate it. And like, it's not a one to one, the 2006 Mets to 2023 Rangers, but like, Vladi Tarasenko a lot like Carlos Delgado, where it was just a guy the Mets brought in from outside. You're unmatched
1: with stuff like this, unmatched. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's, I, I, I can do. The, baby, I can do this all day. Panarin I is know. Carlos Beltran. Uh, Adam Fox is David Wright. Uh, Phil Heedle is Jose Reyes. You really you, you got tell me doubt. when to stop. I can, just, <laughs> I can You're good. I can. I can doubt. rattle it off. El Duque is Yaro Halak. Like, this, this is, is what it is.
1: This is a team you should cherish. These are the good times. It, it, even if this team doesn't go to the Eastern Conference Finals, even if this team doesn't win the Cup, this team for the next for the last three months and the next or two months is just going to be so fun. Enjoy it. Yeah,
2: especially because it's going to be really hard for the Rangers to ever have a roster this talented again in the future. In it's the, going the next, next really de-
1: hard. decade. Uh this is from Cal. Mikola seems to jump in the rush a lot, which I don't think we expected as a six D man. He hasn't been exploited much yet, but I could see it being an issue when playoff teams look to actually exploit the weak areas. Do you think GG and management wanted a big man with rush potential, or are they surprised by the off of his offensive aggressiveness? I think they're surprised. His job is to sort of be a stay at home defenseman, and I'm sure when those times come, uh, player like coach coaching staffs like even in other sports, the NBA, and and I know in some somewhat in the MLB, there's much more um, much more data to go on. It's more of a I don't know. You can, you can kind of scout a pitcher or scout a hitter a little bit, know how to throw. But in the NBA, like it's like the scouting is there. Like you have you have some of it, but you're not going to do the the deep dive. You're going to do what like in a playoff matchup. You know everything and all those things, all those changes you make and the readjustments and everything back. I'm sure that it will be taken care of. He's a he's a third pairing defenseman. He's here for a reason. Um, and if he wants to join the rush right now, I'm I'm totally cool with that.
2: Yeah. And again, I I think it goes back to new guy in a new spot trying to get comfortable playing with his teammates where he is comfortable playing a certain way. wants to play a certain way, but he watches Braden Schneider bomb down from the blue line on a lot of plays. And maybe he just starts thinking to himself, is that the expectation for defensemen? Should I be doing that? And as opposed to asking the question and sounding like an idiot, sometimes you just do. And then the behavior has to get corrected later on. But I don't know. It, again, tonight was game six. I'm not going to make any sweeping Judgment or assumption on what a certain player sh- can or should be doing. Uh, I'm happy he's here. And I think he's going to end up being really boring and really fine. But uh, again, uh, game six. Wake me up when we're like 20 games in here.
1: Final question from David Phil the Thrill. Uh, what's more unbelievable, the sustained lack of slumping in, slumping in Hank's career or Ichiro batting under 300 once in his career? Uh, Ichiro. Uh, Hank did have some legitimate slumps in his career. Like, I've watched them. I mean, it Ichiro
2: happened. probably had a couple games where he didn't get a hit.
1: Yeah, that, 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 yeah it's unbelievable.
2: <laughs> he had a couple. Imagine, games he imagine a Ryan, it's 2004, and Ichiro's already won Rookie of the Year, MVP, all his shit, and Mariner fans are on some message board being like, you know, Ichiro's 0 for his last 17. I think we got to fucking trade him.
1: Perfect ending to this section. Um, let's get to our dear friend Hart from Puckpedia, who I call Puck at the end of the interview. Super embarrassing. And let's uh, transition over there after a word from our sponsors. Transition. And this week's episode of Blue Shirt Breakway is also brought to you by our official ticket sponsor, TickPick. That's right. At TickPick.com, you get no fees. The prices are right when you go to the website. I'll be be—I'll be honest. I just use TickPick. Two seconds ago, I want to go to Flyers versus Rangers this week. I said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna to go to my dear friend's tick-pick. It had all the scores for the for the ticket prices labeled in a row. So I got an A plus deal. I got right near the ice for a low price. And when I checked out, you're not gonna believe this next part. When I checked out, the price was exactly the same as when I clicked it originally. I was like, this is an A-plus deal. I'm sitting right near the ice. I think it's like section 112 doxing myself i'm gonna change my tickets now but i was like this is this is, seems like a great deal it says it's a plus i clicked purchase price didn't change that was it so use code blue shirts it's good for 15 dollars off on any first time purchase in the app on tick pick go use that's again use code blue shirts when you use the tick pick app tell them we sent you TickPick pick official ticket sponsor we love them they're our friends back to the show Hey, we're back with our first guest of the day, our friend from Puckpedia, Mr. Hart. How are you doing today, sir, and your Patrick Kane numbers?
3: <laughs> I'm doing great. I love this time of year. Uh, I, uh,
1: I don't know if you ever watched Lamb Chop as a kid. I know I'm yeah, I'm, I'm dating myself. Yes, that's Patrick Kane, baby. The song right. that... Oh, no, it'll, end. it'll
3: end on March 3rd, one way or the other. Don't worry. Uh,
1: well, it, it, the summer is right around the corner, and Patrick Kane will be a free agent. It will not stop. The clicks will keep coming. Um, when we brought you on, because... Greg and I um, thought, and we thought wrong, that the Patrick Kane saga was over. The Rangers had traded for Vladimir Tarasenko. Things were jolly. Uh, I have to I have to be honest. I, I think there were a lot of Ranger fans that want Kane. I think they have, probably have good reason for that. There are a lot of Ranger fans that do not want Kane. Uh, and I think the bi- the big part for me, at least, was going to be the price and some of the morals, but mostly the price. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I think the price has come down substantially. We're kind of in a market where I think it's, it might be Rangers or Bust, and they can make it happen. How do they make it happen?
3: Well, the, when there's a will, there's a way. The question is, <laughs> is there a will? But yeah, they can, they can make it happen. Um, really, right now, the Rangers are carrying a, a extra-large roster compared to other teams that are trying to make space. You know, they have 22 players on the active roster, and we see teams right now with 20, 21 players. And one of the advantages the Rangers have uh, compared to some other contenders or buyers is that the Rangers are not an LTIR. They're an under the cap team, which means that every day cap space accrues and becomes worth more. Um, because as you get to the trade deadline, there's only 42 days left in a season. So you only need to be able to fit 42 out of 185 days of a, of an acquired players cap hit. Um, so when you think about adding cane, you got to factor in a couple things, how much space can they add between now and the deadline and would they can they wait until the deadline to acquire him if they were? And really, it all comes down to they need to drop down from 22 to 21 players that would add some space. And when they, when if uh, they do trade for Kane, they need to move out a player. And obviously, Kravtsov is a obvious one, whether it's in that deal or separately. Um, but the combination of those two things would give them just enough space to fit him in. The caveat being, um. They have to accrue some of that space until the deadline, and we only have a couple of days left where they could uh, send someone down and build enough space by the deadline. So we're talking, they have to, they would have to send someone down by the 26th of February, um, which means if it's a player that needs waivers, they'd have to waive them by the 25th. So we have, let's just say, five to six more days of fun speculation um, before, not to say they couldn't get... Keen without doing that, but then it would require more cap hit coming off the roster as well.
2: Now, this is a popular topic for our friend hockey stat minor. It, it's something <laughs> he keeps an eye out for all the time. And I do, I do have to wonder. So the three of us talking, none of us are going to say that under any circumstance would the Rangers, realistically demote Braden Schneider for an on ice hockey purpose. We all, the three of us would agree. He's one of the five most important Ranger defensemen. He's here for the long haul. blah, blah, blah. However, He is waiver exempt, and it does make you wonder why, for example, the Rangers didn't play between February 11th and February 15th, why they didn't do a paper move that simply sent Schneider down. They also don't play. They play tonight, as we're talking here on Monday. Don't play again until Thursday. Why wouldn't they, in a paper move, if they absolutely wanted the cap, send Schneider down to gain a little bit extra money moving forward?
3: Why not Lafreniere?
2: Yeah, uh, uh, I think yeah. so. Well,
3: least- so there's yeah, from a from a caps um, calculation standpoint, yes, they've had many opportunities during the season where they could have gone with a lower number of guys on the roster and accrued more space. And whether they utilize that for Kane at the deadline or someone else, or hey, maybe even have use some of that extra space and pick up a pick to, to help broker a trade. I mean, cap space is a weapon, and from a, a calculation standpoint, they've, there, there's been some missed opportunities, not adding more space, but there's also some practical considerations that, you know, you, you don't see just working the spreadsheets like I do. And that's the, the relationship standpoint. Keep in mind, like if you were to send a guy like Schneider or Lafreniere down every day that they're down, they're making, you know, one day's worth of 80,000 a year salary instead of 832,000 a year salary. You know, that might not seem like a lot, but you know, these these guys on the entry-level deals, by the time they pay taxes and, and, you know, moving costs and a rookie dinner and escrow, um, they're not, there's not a lot of take on pay. So that has like a real cash flow impact for their lifestyle, like in in these years. And also it does maybe set a little bit of a tone for a relationship that, you know, you're hoping to sign these guys to extensions pretty soon, right? Like Lafreniere needs a new deal for this summer. Schneider would be eligible to sign an extension this summer. And I think sometimes, especially when they're, key players that are going to be part of, of the future going forward. Um, you know, they want to set a, a tone where they, they're not thought of as like kind of a second class because they're, they're on their entry level deals and they're part of the future. And I think there's sometimes a the hesitation to shuttle some of those like high-end players up and down to crew cap space where they might not have those concerns with like a, a fifth or sixth round, um, you know, th- 12th or 13th
1: forward. They did it with Kako. <laughs> like I, I remember yeah, them sending them down for it to yeah. save money. Um, again, they didn't do it this year, which is which makes sense to me. So the date you said, just to reiterate, is February 26th. So as we're recording on the, on the 20th, they either need to cut bait with Vitaly Kravtsov or um, Lucision. Is that
0: the case?
3: Well, they would need to... They in, in The way that I worked it out was they would waive Lucision and send them down um, by that date to build up some space. And then Kravtsov would go out... Um, on the deadline with Kane, You could do that in a little bit different combination. So you could, yeah, you could move Krabs off who has a higher cap it, which means you could kind of wait an extra day or two. Um, And then you could move Lecision out when you trade for Kane. Or um, if you move both out, like sometime, if you move both out before the deadline, then you could maybe wait a little and not have to do it by that date. But for that specific order of operations, which was wave and send down Lecision, you'd have to do that, um, have them down by the 26th. And then you could... Uh, trade Kravtsov on the deadline and get Kane back at, uh, keep in mind Kane coming back would be at 75% retainer, which would be Chicago retaining 50% and then someone else retaining another 25%, um, which in real dollars actually isn't very much um, with this contract structure.
2: So the Uh, Leafs, oh, sorry, gone, Greg. Well, I I think we're kind of asking the same question here, Ryan, where um, you mentioned weaponizing cap space and how that can be an asset for teams. I want to know, in your opinion, obviously we've seen it, I think, twice at this point, most noticeably with the Canes and the Ryan O'Reilly deal. Are you surprised Minnesota only got a fourth for essentially being a money launderer in that deal? Like At some point, is a fourth round pick even worth getting yourself involved in a trade like that?
3: Wow, I would say I'm shocked that they got a fourth. Um, that Minnesota only spent about 75000 in real dollars. Um, O'Reilly only had a million-dollar salary for the season because he'd been paid a signing bonus. So when you take 25% of that with the number of days left, it only cost them 75000 of real dollars. And when you look at historically in the last few years where teams were a third-party retainer on a trade – that's um, like significantly less dollars um, than what has earned like a fifth or fifth round pick in the past. So kind of from the charts that you would look at, you would think for what they retain, they should only get a seventh round pick. But I think the reason why it got bumped up to a fourth was it was a 2025 pick. So three drafts from now, right? So I, that there's obviously a, a cost for that pick not being available for three years. But I would think if that was a 2023 pick, a team like Minnesota is getting like a sixth or seventh for um, retaining that much dollar amount. And I think when you talk about a third-party retainer, they're typically not a team that's up against the cap, obviously, or they wouldn't be in that, in that game. So it's really more about the real cash cost um, and what the owner is really willing to basically buy a pick for. Your question, like, is it worth it? Yeah, it's worth it. You can't take cap space home with you, right? I think... It's criminal, these teams that have all this cap space and don't do anything with it. I mean, Buffalo, at one point a week ago, I looked, they could literally add an entire team's worth of cap hit at the deadline and be able to fit it in. Eight, they could have fit they could fit $80 million of team cap hit. So whether they're trying to add to the team now or weaponize their cap space, other than the owner not wanting to spend money, I just re- there's no argument for a team with cap space not utilizing it. So guess- Minnesota is a team that's going to be tight to the cap for years, but this year, they didn't use all their cap space for some reason, like in the summer. So again, they can't take it home with them. Getting an extra pick that they can do something with in the future, I think that's really smart business. And I think it's, uh, it's a travesty for teams that have a lot of cap space that don't utilize it for something.
2: I guess my, my, my point is more, that trade doesn't get done without Minnesota. So you need, or a team like Minnesota that has the cap space. So I guess my question is, why don't these third-party teams understand that a little bit more clearly and be like, Hey, if you really want Ryan O'Reilly, let's make this a conditional second pick. Like why, oh, yeah, why because, aren't I getting more for being the launderer?
3: Yeah. It's a supply and demand. There's there's enough teams out there that have cap space that are willing to do it. Right. So there's enough. It, yeah. If they, if Minnesota won a second round pick, there's another team that would have given them more. I mean, again, Buffalo is the prime example with all their cap space. Arizona, I mean, the constraint there isn't the money, it's that they might need to use their three retained spots on other deals, but you've got Anaheim, you've got Detroit, who's always in the action, Chicago, I mean, Ottawa, uh, we talked about Minnesota, even a team like Carolina, like they're not, with with Patch already going on LTIR, they have they, right now they have 10 point1 million they can they can use I don't there's not players that they can add to fill that up like I they're a smart team they would get in on the action so the answer to your question is there's enough market for to be that team that I think that's what puts the prices into the depending on how much retained kind of in that third to seventh range based on how much real cash but again these are all on one year deals um that we've talked about where there's a third party broker we've never seen a third party broker get involved. Um, in a, when there's more than one season left on a deal, we've also never seen uh, even without a third party broker, just one team retaining. We've never seen a, a team retaining for more than uh, 2.6 million for more than uh, two years. So that's when we hear rumors about Carlson and, and maybe even Chickering and all these guys. That would be unprecedented to retain potentially that much for that number of years. So that that's where that's kind of a new new world. But in terms of like a third party team retaining on a pending UFA, you know, I think if it's within, if it's going to be a couple hundred grand of real cash or less, you're talking somewhere between the third and the sixth or seventh round pick.
1: It makes sense. So likely they can, the Rangers theoretically could say, Hey, broker team, here's a fourth rounder for 2026, whatever. Um, we, we would really like you to help us get Patrick Kane for $2 million, whatever it is.
3: Uh, yeah. So Patrick Kane, I mean, we could do this math together. He is $2.9 $2. million salary, right? So a quarter of that is seven twenty five. And at the deadline, um, there's only 22% of the season left, right? So a third-party team is going to spend 165 grand on Patrick Kane. And I, I think the chart, based on historical deals, that's like a fifth to sixth-round pick
1: this year. Right. Yeah. And a fourth, that, that'd probably be a good deal. I wonder if Drury wants to actually make this happen. Again, I, I, I thought Kane, dead on arrival as soon as the Tarasenko thing happened. But all of a sudden, it does, so, it does sort of seem uh the traction is still there for for people like larry brooks and others where it's where where it is sort of being brought up yet again where kane wants does kane only want to come to the new york rangers i don't know does that matter i have no clue um and i do think he ends up getting traded i don't think he'll stay somewhere i just wonder how it happens uh which brings us to kind of the next logical talking point with rangers and, and cap space which is uh, I think I know. We know right now that almost nothing about the cap, except for it might go up one million dollars. It might go up more this summer. The Rangers are kind of up against it, having to play likely Philip Heedle, almost certainly Keandre Miller, and others. Uh, and maybe if they want to try and convince Tarasenko to stay for for some money, they're going to have to find this cash somewhere. What is it, in your opinion, to to trade or even what is the draft pick equity? Like maybe even trade a Goodrow who still has four years left at three point six or something like that.
3: Um. Yeah. Well, the Rangers so as right now they've got um sixty seven and a half million committed to fourteen players. Um. One one thing that is in their favor, like all their dead cap hit, is coming off the books. Right. Um. They had three point four million of dead cap hit this year, which uh, is all going away with their buyout. So that. You know, that helps clean things up a little bit. But yeah, they do have to spend on some of these players. Um yeah, I mean, it's really hard to judge the the cost of some of these players you without having a real sense of like how the market values a player because there's players that we've seen you would think have positive value, but they but when they get traded, they there's an asset attached with them and so that obviously means they have negative value and vice versa, right? We've seen players that um are, are the complete opposite, so I guess it depends like how does Goudreau's season finish? I mean to have that many years left on his deal, so you know you'd have four years left that that is we again, we don't typically see that. we saw it with Ekman Larson um got traded with retained for six years. um we saw uh Lucic got traded with retained for four years. does did New York not want to ret- want to retain or not I mean that I guess that would be the question as well. Um, But, I mean, he's still a productive player, and I would think someone with that much term left but also not a huge cap hit, if they wanted to get off that contract and you would perceive it to have negative value, I think that's more a deal where you don't necessarily have to attach – you don't just – do it for clean like here's a bunch of picks take this player maybe you take a player back um that's you know maybe they're a better player with a much higher cap hit or they're not as good a player with a slightly lower cap hit but somewhere where you're mixing in taking a contract back and potentially adding picks I think you know someone in this kind of cap hit range and this term left I think that's where you're you're more likely to to see something done it's just really hard to move a contract with many years left unless it's there it's like a clear the market has decided that they clearly have really positive value. Otherwise, like with a lot of years left, it, it's quite difficult because gyms are, are just really hesitant to take on that, that kind of money. But you, the, I, I will come back to the comment that you made. If the cap jumps significantly though, that kind of changes everything, right? That there, if the cap goes up in a, in a year by 5 million or something, it's like everyone's hair on fire. They got to spend the money because it's the, Hey, the cap's much higher. And all of a sudden all kind of rules of restraint, Go out the window so that that's definitely an x-factor
2: i feel like once everything that's happening with these Bally sports networks uh that shit, um lost any hope of me seeing the cap go up but i wanted i wanted to transition back to the trade deadline for a second because I, I there are two players that really stand out to me in terms of just kind of unique unicorn like trade deadline pieces one being timo meyer one being eric carlson uh i want to do timo first because he's, a, he's obviously a player with restricted free agency rights at the end of this year, but a $10 million qualifying cap hit that would be associated with him. So we're in this weird position where it does seem like the Sharks are trading him as a player under contract, but most teams are trying to acquire him as a rental. And I'm just curious if you've seen anything like this before when it comes to a player of his caliber – with a price tag as high as it's going to be if you simply want to qualify him, trying to switch teams from pretender to contender at the trade deadline.
3: Yeah, I don't think it's that unprecedented. And I wouldn't say that teams necessarily consider them a rental, him a rental. If, if any team trades for him and thinks, oh, we're not going to qualify him and let him walk, again, that to me, that's very poor asset management because there's someone like he, yeah, is he a $10 million player? Maybe not, but he's certainly worth in the nines. And so... Like, let's say you acquire him and and you whether you go on a long run or you don't and, and but you have no room to sign him. Um, there's other teams that would value him either on a one year, $10 million deal or would want his rights so that they can sign him to a long term extension. So I don't I wouldn't view him as a rental at all. It's just maybe a team has to be creative to think we're going to use him for this year, but then we're going to trade him in the summer if we can't sign him and get something back. Obviously not the same value potentially, but get something back. And I think there are cases. I mean, to me, he's the same spot as Matthew Kachuk was in the summer, right? He had a big qualifying offer one year from unrestricted free agency. Alex Dobrynka last summer as well. Or he was, I guess, one year earlier. But he had one year left on his deal coming into this summer now. He's got a big qualifying offer one year from free agency. Um, So, no, I think that's pretty common. I mean... To me, I kind of think of it like uh, it's a bit of an NBA term, but like pre-agency, right? These guys, the way they structure their contracts, if they're one year from their expiry, they can really call their shots, decide where they want to go and force a trade um, to somewhere where they're potentially willing to extend. And yeah, again, I'm not saying that wherever Meyer goes, he's going to necessarily get extended or they they might not want or be able to extend him. But I think it would be really poor asset management to then just like not qualify him at 10 million and walk away. I think you could certainly trade him to somewhere and recoup some some assets back.
2: And that brings us to Carlson, where it seems like everybody and their seventh aunt removed believes he's going to be an Edmonton oiler, <laughs> a team that right now is only dressing 19 players because that's <laughs> all they can afford. So I... Make it make sense to me why everyone's like, oh, we'll figure this out with Carlson and the Oilers. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, they dressed 17 players against the Rangers because that's all they could afford.
3: Well, I mean, it all comes down to the Sharks' ownership's willingness to retain money with that 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 amount of money for that long of a term. I mean, the only way I see that the Oilers can make it work is if he comes in at like a seven-ish, seven and a half million dollar cap hit, and that's basically Tyson Berry at four and a half plus a uh, Yessi Pooley-Yarvey or Kyler Yamamoto who are at three or 3.1. That gets you to, you know, like the, the seven and a half, seven point six. 7.6. Um, but that's like a two for one. So they, like you said, they have to still fill out that other roster spot. So, you know, that's that's where he's got to be at, like in and around $7 million. Um, so they can make it work cap-wise for $7 million. But to me, it's like, uh, there's two parts of this trade. Is this San Jose Sharks? Are the San Jose Sharks ownership willing to eat that, to retain that kind of money for that that term? If yes, then they can negotiate. And are the Sharks realistic about what the return is? Keep in mind, after last season, Brent Birds had a better season, um, was considered to have a little bit better contract than Carlson, and they retained a couple million dollars, and they basically got a third-round pick and like a fourth-liner for him, right? So um, is... So yes, Carlson's having a great season, but we saw basically the Sharks set their own market with the same general manager and regime in place of what Brent Burns went for. So yeah, Carlson's having a better season. He should go for maybe a little bit more than that. But I, I think the idea that it's like a the equivalent of three first round picks just seems rather insane to me. Um, so just like all negotiations, you know, both sides have to sort of be realistic about what to get out of it and... It, like I kind of went through it, they got to answer those two questions. Will San Jose retain enough to get them in like the $7 million range? And then if so, can they work out a deal that's somewhat reasonable, which to me is probably like a first round plus or maybe two first round equivalents, but even that seems kind of stretching it. So, you yeah, know, I don't really think it's up to the Oilers. I think it's up to San Jose and what they're willing to do. Cause um, that it's like, it seems pretty obvious what has to happen at least from a cap perspective to make it work.
1: I mean, if they're trading, to get three front and front picks, I'd be shocked if they didn't do that. Shocked. Uh, especially because I don't know if Connor's going to be there in 2026 or before that. And if that's the case, uh, I would like those Edmonton picks. Please and thank you. Kind of like them now, to be honest. It's not like they're burning <laughs> it up.
3: But I guess uh, one thing to keep in mind, I mean, that owner wrote Carlson a $10 million signing bonus check in July. So there's some human side to it, like we talked about, you know, in the Rangers situation. How does he feel? I paid this guy $10 bucks, and now i got to also pay for him to move on again from a logical standpoint the the summer he had negative value you couldn't have traded him if you wanted to now you're going to get something for him and you're going to forget the money that you're retaining you're going to get all that money off your books like from a logical standpoint, it makes sense why they should do it. But from a, an emotional standpoint and a human standpoint, that's a lot of money to pay someone that's not going to be there, especially when you just stroked a $10 million check.
1: Counterpoint on that, they did hire David Quinn. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they knew they were the sweepstakes for Bedard. Like, that was that was it. So if you can if you can get assets for someone that you just said uh, didn't have trade value, you, you, yeah, you got to do it. I know Carlson's really good. I get it. He's super fun. He's exciting. When he's playing at this level, He's he's... One of the best to watch in the NHL. I watched him single-handedly destroy the Rangers on one foot. It haunts me every day of my life. And, of course, but if I can get off that, that's the case. And then, to Timo Mayer, uh, I think he's a devil. And I think it's like almost a done deal now. And I just don't know how they're not pulling the trigger already. It's very strange. Uh, I, I don't know who's going to I don't know. I,
2: I, I still think he could very possibly be a hurricane. I think it's one of those two. I hate two. it either way. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those two which sucks for us. But I, I just... I don't know. I I think if there's any team out there that would, I, I know Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick talked about this today too, but if there's any team out there that would trade for Meyer, not require an extension and just be like, fine, we'll give you the 10 million on a one-year deal and see what the hell happens. Seems like that's the Carolina hurricanes jam. Like it just, that that's everything that this ownership and front office would do and kind of worry about tomorrow, tomorrow.
3: But I, I think the mar- market for Meyer is much bigger than just, teams that are contenders right now like even a, a team that has been rebuilding that wants to take a step forward again you could potentially get this guy for eight years plus the rest of the season right as part of this deal so I think it's a much bigger market than we think and it's not the same kind of market as like a for Patrick Kane or um, you know uh, even like a um, well I guess some of the big names have gone now but like a Horvat before I think it's a much different market because you could you could convince yourself like part of our rebuilding, retooling, reloading is this guy that is 26 years old and we're going to have for like eight and a half years.
1: Yeah. I, it's a good point.
3: Maybe yeah, they, a,
2: another team that the two, uh, the 32 thoughts boys mentioned it. It's exactly what you're saying. It's the blues. We now have three first round picks in this upcoming draft. Why wouldn't we try to package a couple of those to try to reload on the fly and get Timo Meyer or someone of that ilk?
3: Yeah, there's a big difference between a 26 year old and a and a 31 year old, right? That you're going to potentially give up assets for and and try to think about resigning. Um, you know, like when uh, Lou Lamarillo said with Horvat, it was too much term and too much money. I get that, but you know, Meyer's even younger and he's uh, you know probably skates a little better. I don't know. That that's a pretty attractive a uh, player, and I don't know if there would be could kind of be a bad contract for that player.
1: All right. My final question is, is there a player, we, we kind of talked about the big names, Carlson, Timo, uh, et cetera. Is there a player we're not discussing that we, sh- we should be talking more about? I
3: mean, if, just look at one team, the Chicago Blackhawks, look at their scoring list. Max Domi <laughs> has the same performance as Patrick Kane. He makes 3 million instead of 10 And he's going to cost like a fraction of the assets you would think that Patrick Kane, you know, he's He's small, but he's what you want in the playoffs, like kind of a feisty guy, you know, gets his nose in there. He was pretty good for Carolina as a pick, as a, a trade deadline pickup last year. So, I mean, to me, that's a, a guy that doesn't get talked about that I think has a lot of the qualities that you'd want. The only knock would be like his, his size. And, you know, he's bounced around a little bit the last couple of years, and he has been up and down in his career. But, you know, you've seen what he can do, and he's having a pretty – you know, respectable season. Um, So that's a pretty big one. I wonder what a guy like Shane Gossespierre goes for because he's a puck mover. We talked about attaching assets to move a contract. Like, I didn't think that contract was that bad, but Philly still attached assets to move him. And now I think Arizona's going to get assets for moving him, which is, that's great asset management. But yeah, you know, he's not your, he's not going to kill penalties and be your defensive stopper. But, you know, this, if you're, this, DNA is in the NHL which, with how fast it goes and all the offense. You need guys that can get the puck up to your forward. So I think uh, he's got some value. We don't really hear too much about him. So that's someone I'm watching. And then, um, you know, really interested to hear, to see what happens with Jake, Jake McCabe, another Blackhawk. Because, again, I think that is what a playoff team wants. You know, a, a steady defensive, defensive uh, defenseman that's going to kill penalties and grind in the corners and be tough. And unlike some of the other ones you hear about, he's not in his – you know, not in his thirties. He's not, he's had injuries, but he's been pretty healthy lately. You know, he doesn't have like a crippling back injury, like a Joel Edmondson or something. Right. And even at 4 million, that's pretty reasonable, but he, and he has term left. And if Chicago, you, some of the, the reporters have reported that they're potentially willing to, to eat half of that. I mean, getting that guy now and for two more years at $2 million, I'm not saying it, Tampa would do it, but that's the kind of move that Tampa's made in the past, right. With a Hagel, um, guys that have at least one or more years left on their deal um, at, a, at a low dollar that isn't he's not a superstar. he's not you know an Eric Carlson or maybe even a Chikrin. Um but it's not about like how good a player is. Everything in, in this cap world is how good a player is relative to their cap hit and even at four million I think it's pretty good value but if you get him at two million dollars, that's huge surplus value that you're getting which you can deploy your cap resources somewhere else.
2: Uh, Final one for me. At first, I'd just like to say if the Flyers want to make another trade for Rasmus Ristolainen, I think they should. Um, (laughs) And then are we just – are any of these Western Conference contenders ever going to do anything? Like, what the fuck? Why why is the East (laughs) the way that it is? Why aren't the Stars doing anything yet? Why aren't the – I think Golden Knights are trying and people just don't want to trade with them. But, like, every big move has been made by an Eastern Conference team, which makes sense since the six best teams in hockey currently play in the Eastern Conference. But is the West going to make any waves here, or are we just wasting our time?
3: I, mean, I would be shocked if we didn't see Vegas, Edmonton, um, th- them definitely adding. I think Colorado would add. Um, I think Dallas will add. I wouldn't even uh, – I think L.A. will add. Um, again, we're talking, are they going to add a top line player? Or are they going to add some depth? But I think they're all those teams are going to be buyers and they're going to do something. Um, I think Seattle might be interesting to watch. Maybe some players coming in and going out. But I think, you know, it's early. We still have, you know, over 10 days to the trade deadline. There's a couple of Eastern teams that have bought so far, but there's still some some uh, players left on the big board and I, I obviously the East is going to be a, the stronger conference no matter what happens with these trades, but I, I definitely think there there's teams in the West that they have a burning need. There's quite a bit of players still on the market, and I, I I think we'll see those teams in the West add. Just we'll have to see how impactful it is and what that means.
1: Puck, can't thank you enough for us, Puck. Jesus Christ, heart. <laughs> Heart cannot the heart from Puckpedia I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show. Why don't you plug everything from Puckpedia and everything else you're you're up to?
3: Yeah, please check out the site Puckpedia.com. dot um, Follow on Twitter at Puckpedia. I'll continue to put out uh, once or twice daily Patrick Kane cap updates to the Rangers because <laughs> I like to see how crazy everyone gets. Um, oh my god! I, I, Dude, the first one was because I was getting blown up with Ranger fans asking after. Um, the Tarasenko trade, and I, and again, just like you guys, I thought, oh, maybe not, but I, you know, looked at it, did a little math, and I'm like, oh, okay, they can do it. So instead of replying to all the people that had asked me questions, I just tweeted it out there, and I couldn't believe how how wild everyone got. So I think that's my new shtick here. You've um, been referenced charge... a lot
1: this week from that. A yeah, lot. I'm going to charge
3: Larry Brooks, I think, commission for for taking <laughs> that today, and I'm going to be putting that out regularly. The Kane trade watch and what that means for the cap space. No, but um, definitely lots of tweets. Lots happened on the website. Um, every time there's a trade, um, there's a there's a trade summary shows all the cap uh, impact for each team, the net cap impact, and it's an exciting time exciting time of year. So appreciate everyone following along. Yeah, awesome. your
2: Patrick Kane tweets are essentially my Jurassic Park take, which is like and everybody was too worried about whether we can, and they stopped asking whether we should. That, that's, <laughs> that's where we are on that one. Wow,
3: that's
1: a good take.
2: <laughs> all right, man, we're out of here. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks.
1: Okay, uh, it's the end of the show, so. All right. That was a long, deep breath, but there's a reason I did that. I promise. First of all, the reason what I do at the end of the show is we thank all the NHL Insider Club supporters from our Patreon. Now, when I first did this and I made this, I was like, you know what's going to be special? When people join this, we have this cool NHL Insiders chat. I leak some good information there once in a while. Honestly, it's one of my favorite chats to talk Rangers, just straight up. And uh, we've had some good leaks from not only me, but other people in it as well. Uh, it's been really cool. But I was like, okay, at the end of the show, there'll be like 10 to 15 people for me to name. And then last week, um, and for the last couple months, we've had around like, I don't know, was it 65 plus, 70, I think 74 is usually our number. That's cool. I love all the Insiders Club. This week, I'm checking. There's 94 of you guys. 94? What the hell? I'm about to say 94 names terribly in a row. 94, like the Rangers, the year they won the cup. This one will last a lifetime. This read will last a lifetime. Adam Cassie, Adam Cohen, Adam Cortulo, Adam Linder, Adam Cartulo Did I mess that up? Adam Keach, Alex Flair, Flynn, Alex. He's Gar- like, let me pause. I'm already, I'm already messing this up. Alex Flynn, Alex Carter, Alexander, Amber Coensberger, Andrew Rahner, Anthony Terragata, Ben Wedderberg, Ben Water, Bill Allison. Welcome, Bill. Bill Rattell, Billy Huff, Brendan Lacos, Brendan Magnum, Brett Granger, Brett Grinnis, Brian Doyle, Bra- Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Chris Finelli, Chris Finelli. Why am I struggling with names I've said a million times? Chris Howard, CJ Stellwagen, Conrad P. Damage, Daniel Dezen, David Narodin, David Siegel, Dennis Deitz, Darian, Eric Stagg, Garrett Reynes, Skip Gardner, a Cup, Gretzky, Grass McFly, Hayek, Waivers, Happen Before Ryan, Watch Miracle, Handel, Harrison Haskell, hippopity eighty nine, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, James Masker, Jerry Marquez, Jay Sintrin, 40 JD, John Joach, Franquise Jean Jean, Jimmy Max, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestebom, Joshua Lazarkin, Justin Friedman, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, Lazik, Gronowski, Lieber's Kayak, Lugier, Donna Lucas K, Mark Popick. Man, Popik is such a fun last name to say. I would, If my last name was Popick, I, I would have so many really, really, really bad jokes. I hope you do, Mark. Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kine, Meatball the Cat, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Manu- Mancuzu, I fucked that up. Man, ben- <laughs> man, Couser. Fuck. Mike Smith, Nate Hannafee, Neil Grover, Nicholas DiDicola, Opie, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Babel Kodarev, PJ Sisparo, Pro World Test Gamer, Randy Tester, Samo, Scottish Grant, Sean Taggart, Steve, Stigbull Box, Swingart, The Drop BK, Tommy Sinclair, Tommy O'Neill, Twerfman, Tristan Wells, Vinnie Brocco, Vinnie Hay, Will Specter, and finally, at the end of 94 names, it is Winston, the Golden Retriever. Good dog. Thank you, everybody. Another crazy week in Rangers town. Uh, the Rangers remain uh, hot. I actually am recording this in the, between the second and third period of the Jets. I don't know if they won. I'm going to say they didn't, so I look foolish when they do. And I'm don't. I'm not i not going to record this. So that's the best part. This is going to keep going. So uh, very happy with the progress. If you're going to be at the game in Philadelphia next Wednesday, let me know. Because I'm going to be there. As you maybe have listened to our tick pick out earlier, so let me know, hit me up, and I will say hi. It would be a good time. All right, we'll see some of you guys there. Love you guys. Bye.
0: Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 5.00% APY on an eight-month CD special, or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at SandySpringBank.com/slash/CDspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC.